Welcome to Patch Notes, um, now with extra hosts, uh, which I think is going to make everything way, way cooler. Um, we have, uh, we're back again, I'm back again, I'm back from Combo Breaker. Um, I won my first matches at Combo Breaker playing weird games that no one's ever heard of in the Mystery Game Tournament, and I'm very proud of myself. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> that's for another time. We have uh, two of my favorite people. Um, first <laughs> off, we do have Olivia back. Liv, welcome back to Patch Notes. Thank you so much. I can't believe I was invited back. Wow. Expected to have ideas once again. I know. You know what? We just figured <laughs> we figured we'd stretch you. Um, no. you're, you're the only person on the podcast who has ideas, so we thought maybe we would just like lean on you a little bit harder. Um, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just like it's the it's it's the curse of women in gaming. Um. And uh, John, as always, is here as well. John Bernhardt, uh, welcome, welcome back, my friend. Hi, Trev. Glad to already be third build on my own podcast. Well, I thought it was nice to. <laughs> I thought it was nice to give Liv second billing on the first podcast she's on. I'll just second every single time. Second. It's well, feminism. it's the first. It's the first like it's the first sort of like non special edition podcast since I, I think true. we're going to have her on for the foreseeable. So I think. Yep. It it made sense to to give her top billing this time, and I'll just switch it up ne- these times. And if you want, you can introduce me last. That's fine. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I I don't actually want to think about it that much. Yeah, no one likes hosting except me, so that's okay. <laughs> I would um, be happy to introduce you last. Would you? Oh, yeah, that would sure. make me. That would be yeah. great. Um, and you know what? Uh, I will uh, PayPal you the money uh, that uh, requires that is required of me. Later, but we don't have to talk about the uh, hashtag PayPig on the show. We do need to talk about the fundraiser, though. Oh, yeah, we do. So um, that's actually not about being a PayPig, although I guess you could if it helped. (laughs) All podcasting is. (laughs) I mean, I won't judge. We are doing a uh, 24-hour stream um, uh, where most people will be there. Liv, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to be there or not. I know you have a complication, which is totally okay. Um but uh, I think most most uh, John and Piss mm-hmm. and hopefully Liv and uh, uh, Rob and Zeno and Graham and all sorts of special guests are going to be on this 24-hour stream, um, which is going to be from uh, June 7th to June 8th, 8 p.m. to 8 p.m. I will be there all 24 hours. No one no one else is forced to do that. Yeah. Um, but we'll be we'll be uh, we'll be asking you. We'll be passing around the hat. Uh, and and trying to get some some cash to to help uh, compensate our wonderful wonderful uh, or my wonderful wonderful co-hosts and producers etc. A lot of people help with the show and I um, I never feel like I have enough money to pay them and I wanted to uh, turn to the audience and see if maybe we could uh, we could pitch in together and help really reward the people who put in all the time to make this good. So um, that'll be this that'll be not this Friday but the next Friday and uh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I believe I will be on the first night. I may disappear after that and then wake up and come back on. We'll see. It is 24 hours, yeah. so that's that's yes. acceptable. I think I'll be there for some part of it, but taking care of my niece, I'm not sure. <laughs> 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 taking care of a child, I'm not sure what hours I will be available. <laughs> yeah, it does It does get a little dicey. Um, you could have her on the stream. I would. I, we would make 
three trillion dollars if she was on the stream, but unfortunately, I will not do that to her. Whoa, what a good aunt! <laughs> but you I know, like, you'd get like a trillion of that. Well, she has to rest <laughs> a little bit because I'm training her to be an esports pro. Oh, what's her game? Well, you know, we're training for the future here, so I don't mm. want to give anything away. <laughs> you want to give away I mean, future games? <laughs> you, you can't plan right now because you don't know what the meta's going to be. You don't know what the big game's going to be until... Exactly. Well, I know what the game is going to be, oh, but okay. I can't let, you know, the public know. I can't mm. let the other toddlers know what the, <laughs> what the big game of the future is going to be. Ah, Tilly's not going to know the meta. Um, <laughs> Tilly's working on Zumbinis, which I do not think is going to be the game of the future. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I fear she is not going to know the right meta, the pizza <laughs> game meta. Um, well, this week we have something of a lightning round, so I think we should we should get to it. Um, this is like a there's a ton of stuff we're going to be talking about this week. Uh, we we all contributed to it, um, which John that has to be nice for you since in in previous weeks um, I don't know how your and lived week lives week went because I was off the grid, but I know in in weeks where I was uh, with you, you just did all the work and I came in and. Uh, <laughs> No, and just like we had back and mucked forth. about. It was good. Yeah, I offered up some stuff. That's just you that doesn't do anything. Oh yeah, I assumed you did. <laughs> like I didn't want to assume and, and and be wrong, but I was like ninety nine percent sure that you actually look, did your work. Look, um, Trevor's management. Don't. Okay, he's supervising. Yeah, I can't be in a union. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so I think we should. I think we should get. Um, I think we should get into it. Um, so first off, I wanted to ask you both about some labor. Um, John, you linked us this uh, yeah. Kotaku article about uh, more rock star um, drama and labor drama, um, but not labor drama in the way we've talked about before. This time it is sexual harassment. Yep. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, your feeling in noticing this Jason uh, Schreier column. Well, once again, Jason Schreier might as well be our fourth wheel on this podcast. It seems like every week we are <laughs> discussing his excellent investigative reporting uh, yep. for Kotaku. Um, what jumped – I mean, the, all right, so the, the, the basis of the story is a, uh, a developer was hired fresh at Rockstar Games in 2014, a man named Colin uh, Bunshu. I hope I'm saying his names correctly, um, and was immediately – targeted and uh, harassed uh, by the vice president of product development at the time, uh, Geronimo uh, Barrera. Uh, and Barrera was a longtime executive at Rockstar, transitioned out of a role with the company in 2018. Obviously, this is the first time this story has come up, and mostly because uh, Bundeskew has left the industry. Uh, mm. So he does not currently fear retaliation, because there's nothing to retaliate, he's gone. Um, and and the the we don't need to go over the full reporting. It's at Kotaku. It's a very long piece. It's a very well sourced piece. Um, it contains the usual you know fact checking of here's why you should believe this person. He told four people after the event. We have you know people were able. To, uh, there were eyewitnesses who were able to corroborate at least parts of his story based on what they were paying attention to. At one point, he was pressured into giving um, Barrera a lap dance. Um, until another employee allegedly told both of them, like, told Barrera that he had to stop doing what Barrera was doing. Um, wow. And that he then uh, reported he was groped uh, in the groin, you know, grabbed. Uh, he went to HR the next day or the next, you know, day after. Uh, a process happened. The process resulted in nothing uh, constructive because that's what HR processes are designed to do. 
Um, and this really cements not just the 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 labor the work differential between what executives and labor are doing at the companies, but the power differential mm-hmm. uh, that this guy is using um, new employees at his company as his you know his personal uh, yeah as as sexual targets to conquer that sort of thing and he. he it's a sort of thing we've been hearing about in Hollywood. Uh, it's only really noticeable, but it's not even really noticeable here because it's because um, it's two men. But we, you know, we we with the Me Too stuff, we also heard from Terry Crews and other um, men with the Kevin Spacey stuff. So you know, this this sort of thing happens, and it's and it happens to men as well. Um, sexual assault and sexual violence do happen to men, and this is another thing that can only be reined in when these executives don't see their office as their personal fiefdom. Um, It's one of these things where you have to establish not only boundaries, but the idea that this sort of neo-feudal relationship where you own the land and the people on the land you can do with those people as you will just isn't how their brains are structured. Because that is how these executives act. That's how they've been socialized, let's say, to act, just given the power that they have. Um, and so this is going to be a big part of the, uh, of the discussion moving forward when games do unionize, uh, when the developers do unionize. And I, I, I don't think that's very far off, but I didn't want to point it out just because uh, gaming hasn't had the level of Me Too stuff that uh, film and other industries have had recently and it, obviously it's go- it's going on there too yeah i think a lot of it um you know a lot of it but like a lot of the me too stuff was a lot of like actresses coming out and maybe women aren't even around so much in like gaming development as mm-hmm. as feeling like they can have this voice for themselves and that's that's also true for men and like that's part of toxic masculinity is not that this just happens to women but it happens to men too that men feel like they can do whatever like there's that that intersection of like gender and class here where they bosses and men feel like they can do whatever they want and so i hope that men feel comfortable in coming out about this and because not that people i've seen that have made jokes about this but i know that it does happen that there's gamers that are like oh you know like this is happening to a man from a man and like i don't know like i i know that's hard for a man to come out that someone did this to him yeah and i think the you know one of the things that that is um insidious about like current discourse around gaming is that like we talk a lot about labor issues and we talk a lot about unionization and it, it can get very, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Like it's something that I've thought about a lot too, uh, just outside of gaming, but like it, 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 we can get really caught up in this sense of like, okay, the main thing we need to do is organize as a, as a class interest and everything's going to be fine. And like, that's very, very compelling. And I don't think unionization is bad, obviously, but when you see stories like this, like it becomes clear that unionization as a, like a panacea for the industry is not going to solve everything. Like we, there, there's a lot to take into account um, in the games industry and in any industry, but like the games industry isn't immune to it. And as a result, like we can't just simplify to like, 
okay, let's get the Games Workers Union going and then we'll be good to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's no simplifying either way. You can't simplify towards class or gender or, you know, whatever. Or like, it, it has to. It. Yeah, absolutely. Turns out it intersectionality is true. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, I'm I think glad that, we discovered that on this show right yeah, now. We're, That's we're right. We learned. <laughs> Top scholars. <laughs> no, it's, 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 um, it's really, I mean, it's, it's, I think above all, like, and, and this might sound trite, but I, I think it's fair to say, like, um, you know, above all, it's very sad. Like, it's just very sad that this happened to, um, to, to Bunshu. And like, it's sad that, um, up until this point, uh, 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 Barrera didn't have any sort of like, you know, there was no, uh, reporting of it. Uh, that's not to blame anyone, but it's, it's just, it's, it's a shame. Like, it really is a shame. And like, you know, you, you I don't know how to say this. Like, it's, it is sort of a depressing uh, thing and a completely understandable thing. And, like, there's no one to blame here, but it's just like... Oh, I mean, there is someone to blame here. Well, okay, yes, of course. <laughs> but it's... It's yeah, a real it's, shame, basically. It's deeply like, it's sad, just, and no one should have to live their harassment out in public. No one should ever have yes. to come out to Kotaku about this. It mm-hmm. should be absolutely dealt with, and we should never hear from Barrera again. Like, everyone knew... Everyone that needed to know knew, and, like... No one should have to continue to live out their harassment for justice years after the fact if they don't want to. That's right. Yes, yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's um it's a lot, and it's like it's a it's a sad story, and I'm I'm I just don't know what to make of it in a lot of ways, other than this is just such a sad story, and I wish it didn't happen. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything really unique about it either. Uh, I'm willing to bet a lot of people have been driven out of the industry this way. Uh, perhaps le- few, um, perhaps many of those instrument, uh, those incidents were less publicly humiliating than what uh, Bunshu had to go through. But uh, the idea that people have been driven out of this industry because of this sort of predatory behavior—I mean, you saw it with you see it with actresses and actors all the time. You see it with um, the people in this industry. You see it with people in the music industry. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is the saddest thing about this is that it's probably not a very special or unique story in terms of it being a a, a widely you know a an aberration that sort of thing. Um, it's just the story that we've heard about because he was brave enough and strong enough and able to come forward about it. Liv, does this? I mean. Uh... Seeing as Me Too has been like uh, formulated as a, a problem for women, like I think like uh, that has been generally the way people understand it. I mean, women in the games industry also have their own like series of uh, struggles and, and challenges because it is such sort of like a, a uniquely chauvinistic, um, uniquely in the case of intensity here, not unique because chauvinism is unique, uh, but uniquely chauvinistic, uh, uh, I don't know, sphere. I guess for lack of a better word, like how do you, do you think that, what is this? I mean, does this story mean something different to you to see? Um, is it, is it something that like in seeing it, like, uh, you know, speaks to you on some level that, um, as like a woman or, or as like, I don't know, even a, I hesitate to say this, but it's like a female gamer or something like that. Uh, I mean, sure. Like there's so, I don't want to say that. I don't know. There's no way, like easy way to answer this that's like, okay, well, a man got to this point and it was easier f- 
I don't I don't want to do anything that in any way disrespects you know sure. the victim uh, the story at hand. I mean, sure there was plenty of ways that I was sexually harassed before I would have ever gotten to like a professional standpoint. Like, I don't know. I don't think that. It, I'm happy to talk about this, but I don't want to in any way take away from what we're talking about right now. No, that's fair. I can understand that. I guess I guess what I'm asking is, you know, thinking about it from a... No, I guess, you know what, actually, I think that's that's good. Um, that's totally reasonable. Because I, I, that, that speaks to something that, you know, I was hesitating in even framing the question, which is like, you know, one of the tricky things about, about Me Too, like one of the only like ambiguous things about Me Too is the the gender essentialism that some people will attach to it and like the, you know, the ways in which that gender essentialism is, um, deserved and, and, and frankly relevant and the ways in which it complicates things and muddies things like it is, it's, it's painful to see it in, in the industry that we're covering too. But, um, you know, super important to acknowledge it. I mean, it's not just, it's not just like, Oh, this happened. Like something happened at Riot, and now we've covered it, or something like that. Like it is. It's an. It's an everyday thing. Yeah, I would be happy to talk about this, and I do think there's gender differences, but I just don't want to, re- you know. Yeah. Distract from, you know, the story. I, <laughs> no, I mean that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Um, Unfortunately, we have to reset our weeks since last discussing depressing labor issues. Sign back to zero. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, ever going to change. We, we got uh, up to one last week, I believe. Did we get up to one last week? I forget. No, that. I don't think so. Uh, we must have. At some point. All right. Um, well, well, let's talk about something not depressing. Um, <laughs> you guys want to talk about some Game of Thrones? <laughs> oh, I thought she said not depressing. Oh, I was lying. Well, <laughs> um, want to talk about Bandai Namco? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's cool that... Um, Hidetaka Miyazaki is doing something new again. Um, I do not think it's cool that uh, George R. R. Martin is going to ruin it. That's my take on this. Um, where are y'all at on this? I'm uh, using y'all in honor of Liv right now. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, so the story itself is that uh, George R. R. Martin put out a, a big blog post um, about, his, about uh, his reactions to the end of Game of Thrones, the show... Uh, where he's going from here, the 12 different projects he's working on that aren't his novels. Um, that Doesn't have to finish him now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you see, I don't... I'm not going to get into whether those things are ever getting finished. I hope they do get finished just for the people who are really seriously invested in them and so I can continue to make fun of them. <laughs> um, but no, he... Uh, the way this intersects with us is that he mentioned offhand um, that he had been consulting on a project out of Japan, uh, a video game project out of Japan, and it became quickly clear through the reporting that this was a from software project. Now, consulting can mean a lot of things. Uh, consulting could mean he had a two-hour conference it. call with uh, Miyazaki, um, and you know discussed some very broad steps. Consulting could mean that he is working in concert with them even now. Uh, it's going to be. It's apparently something based on like Norse mythology. Um, it's going to have horseback riding. Now, I'm not the most Sweet. I'm not the most <laughs> versed on the history and development of the Scandinavian culture and uh, you know the the, the the cultures that they're going to be taking from for this. But I do not remember horseback riding actually being a big part of that. Usually, they used like boats. I'm pretty sure, but 
Listen. I don't know. Odin had like a six six yeah, leg horse. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, it sounds Come on. <laughs> don't don't step to a you know Liv and I have our other Norse mythology podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine's just the Storm Peaks quest line from World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is taking an, an Icelandic mythology course in, when I was studying abroad in England. Yeah, Norse is like the Norse mythology is the big thing right now. You know, Gears of War, uh, Gears, Ge- uh, God Gods of War, War. God, yeah, of War God of War is now branching out into it. Um, <laughs> And there's and you know Thor is big right now with the Mar- the Marvel character Thor is big right now with those who <laughs> and Loki so is big as well. Um, that was good. I liked that. <laughs> and the, the thing about that is that though, if you look at the God of War Thor and Loki and the uh, Marvel Thor and Loki, they're just completely different characters because a lot of those Norse mythology characters are, are fairly undefined, especially when compared to like the Greek and Roman. Uh, gods that we're always ripping off for our mm-hmm. you know pop culture stuff. So I mean, it, the thing is, it could be really good. If it's really good, it's because the best thing about what Martin does is parts of his world building. Um, and I say that begrudgingly because I, I just uh, his his work is not my thing. Um, but the when he does put the work in, he has designed these intricate societies. Um, that would work fairly well in a video game context. Now, the best thing about From Software is they take all that detail and they pull you back from it. So mm-hmm. they, they pull you from... Like, you can imagine how uh, insufferable the Dark Souls universe would be if, you know, you were getting all of this shit about Gwyn and the fire and everything. It's like a weekly show about how <laughs> how much Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn wants the throne, how he's going to kill Guinevere and all that, you know, all that, you know, mm. court politics, intrigue, and Anne Orlando ruins everything good about Anne Orlando. So I Bold think... of you to suggest that it would be bad. <laughs> yeah, so I think that this is actually a pretty good combination of strengths in the sense that Martin has strengths. Mm. Um, otherwise, I mean, it's a front soft game. Those people make good games. I'm sure this will be fine. Okay. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Um, sure. Liv, how would you feel? I know. I know you don't have as much at stake in uh, in uh, Souls games as, as John and I do. Um, how would you feel if if someone like George R. R. Martin was like tasked with doing like a WoW update or something? Oh, great question. All right, here's the real question. (laughs) Chris Metzen versus George R.R. Martin. Make the choice. Well, I think at least Chris Chris Metzen, like, knows that he's doing a self-stand-in and, like, is honest about it. (laughs) That's right. He married his characters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, my, my problem with, like... The, the Souls games isn't the lore. I think the lore is the strong point of those games. It's everything about the gameplay. So it's like, to me, it's like the worst marriage of these games. It's like, okay, the lore of this person who can't finish a story with the gameplay of these people who I... It's not for me. I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's truly not yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm incredibly <laughs> bad at actually playing Souls games, but I do like watching high-level people play Souls games. I'm watching Trev play Souls games. And <laughs> the Souls also, yeah, and like, and I can, I can appreciate what they're doing in a way that just I know I can't actually 
uh, executed all that well. Yeah, yeah. The, the Souls world building and lore is the most intriguing to me. Like, world building for me shouldn't be you tell, you just like pump your audience full of information. Like, that's not world building. This is like giving people a ton of information. Like, the Souls games actually do that, whereas, like, the. Uh, a song of ice and fire or whatever just like gives you tons of information like i think if you i don't know it's just like it's the worst part of both of those worlds for me whereas like i liked reading um the first few books of a song of ice and fire and like i didn't really finish the series and i didn't finish the show um because i i don't know i'm okay with things not being for me like yeah i won't play this game and i think that's okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's perfectly reasonable to me. Like, the idea that, you know, it's just, it's not for you. Like, I, that, that's something that I think more people should be okay with. The idea that something is like, you know, it's okay. Like, you don't have to love everything in the world. And even everything that people love. Like, it's okay. Like, you don't have to care about everything. But I do also think that, like, it's troubling if the thing you care about, in this case, souls, is done best when the lore is extremely in the background um that you have someone like martin on there like that's i mean it it feels like vanity casting is what it feels like like how much of martin is Mm -hmm. actually going to make it into that game if if it's like a normal from souls from software game how much of martin's contribution is going to make it in because he's not going to be writing dialogue he's going to be doing world building and that world building gets chopped partitioned out run through a blender mostly discarded, right. and then fragmented, dropped in. Now, Sekiro was a little bit different from that, but not too much, really. Um, and especially in the Bloodborne games and the and the Souls games, especially too, just delight in not telling you more than 30% of, a, of anything about anything, except yeah. for the, the arc of the story itself, the straightforward arc of the gameplay. And that's, and that's all communicated through gameplay. So it... it becomes a question so while i like i said i think martin's best strength is his ability to create worlds for people to play around in not that that strength was realized with the actual television show but um i'm just unsure how much of his world is going to be brought into this theoretical game and how much of it is just going to be um his name on a box mm-hmm. yeah fair enough um Okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think I, I admire you, Liv, for choosing um, against... <laughs> to, to hate everything popular. I don't I don't think that's that I hate everything popular, but I'm... No. I'm truly okay with... Like, it's, it, it's like a sad thing for me that there's, like, something that people are so excited about and, like, watched every single week, and it was something that I used to be so excited about, and then I was like, you know, this isn't for me. I'm just, like, not gonna finish the show. I watched every season... Uh, every episode as it aired until the last season i was like oh you know it's it's not for me <laughs> deciding that's that in perfectly the reasonable yeah i yeah, don't least... think there's going to be anyone giving you problems for skipping the last season now the fun thing is that game of thrones season eight is the only season that i was like you know paying attention to because finally everybody had come around to my point of view which was just outright hating um well and i like people it seemed like no one really cared about it mm-hmm. week by week until the last season, and then they were just like tweeting out spoilers as it aired. So yeah, I was like, well, there's no reason to watch the last season because everyone just, you know, obviously no one cares about it, so obviously it's not that great of a show. Yeah, I think we talked about this last week, but it became like a perverse community thing just to yeah. dunk on that show. Uh, so, 
So you went to you went to Combo Breaker. That's right. Yeah, I did. Uh, and actually, um, I saw the um, I saw the person that uh, our next story is about, right. um, which was super interesting. Um, so Combo Breaker uh, was really fun. Um, it's I think video I think fighting game tournaments are great. I know Liv, you have a bit of a, a history with fighting games. Uh, you like Third Strike a lot. Um, <laughs> okay, well, I I feel like that's overselling my <laughs> Third Strike experience. I do like uh, Third Strike a lot, but I'm not good at it. I I really like Third Strike and I really like Guilty Gear, but I'm not good at either of them. I just really like the heroes. I, I think it's okay to be bad at fighting games. I have a I have a similar and relationship with a couple. I only have I only have a Switch right now, and there's really no great way to play. Um, fighting games on a Switch. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I can understand. I that. actually I got really into Tekken with the new Tekken Tekken Seven. Uh, I bought I you know went out and got a fight stick it for stick and everything for it. And wow. like in seven seven days of like doing online stuff, I was like oh, I'm shit at this game. I'm real bad. I'm just terrible at this. <laughs> uh, getting my ass, you know, I can barely execute my new moves on my brand new fight stick. It was very, very sad. But uh, no, I, I actually uh, I watched the finals for Tekken. This oh uh, yes, it's I think that's crazy good. I think it's very cool fun is, to watch them good. Like the it's good like people. fighting games are able to breach something that most games aren't, and that even if you're not good at the games, or even if you don't really understand anything, mm-hmm. you you understand the flow of them even competitively better than if you were watching like a MOBA or yeah. like a you know like a hero FPS, like something like Overwatch competitively, like. Yeah, if definitely. you watch Overwatch competitively, you don't know what's going on. You don't know the heroes well. There's truly no way to understand. But if you watch a fighting game competitively, you can kind of follow it. And I think that's one of the cooler things about fighting games. Yeah, it has like a sports legibility where, especially since you're not seeing it from the perspective of one person or the other, you're seeing the mm-hmm. field. You're seeing the arena. You get the whole the whole thing. Like if you were watching a fighting game from the first person perspective of these characters, you wouldn't be able to tell anything about what was going on. Um, yeah, but you get like even the full... a mm-hmm. even a like a MOBA overhead though. Yeah. Like if you don't know the full the full map, um, well, not just the full map, but like each hero's mm-hmm. move list. Like you're not going to understand. Whereas like each character yeah, in a fighting game has yeah. has moves, but you don't, you don't need to necessarily know them to to understand the flow of things. I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, about, I agree. I think about it like hockey. Like I know a lot of people. I watched hockey since I was like four or five years old but I know a lot of people who came to hockey late have a lot of time a lot of problems following the puck and the action because the field is so large the action is so you know small and quick and you basically if you want to learn how to watch that game you have to learn how to watch everything but the puck because people get obsessed with watching the puck and the puck is very hard to follow but if you follow what the players are doing because the players can see the puck fine if you follow what the players are doing you can understand how the the formations are moving where mm-hmm. people expect the puck to be next that sort of thing um, mm-hmm. and i feel like that's that becomes even harder with the moba because the 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 playing field is even larger and everyone is sort of playing their own sport right like every single like, you're, if you're a hockey guy, you've got a stick. You go for the puck. You try to put the puck in the net. You don't have supports. You don't have DPS guys. You don't have people who play by their own different individual set of rules. So it feels like there's a, there's a level for for getting into it for MOBAs that even supersedes fighting games. But uh, one thing about the fighting games that I liked is that if you have a really good fighting game commentator, 
they can get you into a game even when half of what they're saying is jargon that you don't understand. A Tekken was that way for me. Like, I didn't know what I was watching until I talked to uh, my, maybe my favorite commentator the first year I was at Combo Breaker, which was um, the Abonic Plague, um, <laughs> who is uh, very cool <laughs> and a nice guy. Um, I also like how much how many people of color are uh, into fighting games. It makes for a much more diverse and uh, and less, like, aggro space, um, mm-hmm. I feel like. It's not just a bunch of, like, white dudes yelling at each other, which is what I was worried about. But anyways, I mean, it is still a bunch of dudes yelling at each other. Let's, but it's let's, all friendly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's... Until someone gets hit with a crab. True. Um, but, <laughs> well, it's a callback. You don't have to listen to previous patch notes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I remember he was explaining to me, and he was saying, like, why, like what to watch for in Tekken. And then I watched for that, and, like, for the first time I was watching Tekken, I was like, I don't know what this is about. This is just not for me. And then, like, I was watching it, and I was like, oh, wait. No, actually, this rules. Like, actually, I like this a lot. Yeah. Like, this is great. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing... So, yeah, I mean, like, fighting games are really fun, even if you can't really play them quite well, like, or, like, as well as, like, the people who are super, super competitive. Um, it can be great to be there. And, like, I I absolutely love my time at Combo Breaker. Um, I did get to see the, um, the subject of this Kotaku article... Um, very famous, the the most famous uh, maybe uh, fighting game player uh, Daigo Umehara, who um, the, Ian Walker also says he's arguably the most popular fighting game player of all time. You could make some arguments for some others, but like he's right up there. Um, he has his own anime uh, and manga. Um, he's he's <laughs> fabulously wealthy. He's uh, he, you know he has his own team now. Um, he's really really good. Um, he. Uh, I saw him lose in like the the top ninety six, which was unbelievable. But the reason for it may have been well, one reason is that he's not known as like a particularly good uh, Street Fighter Five player. Um, the other reason, maybe because uh, he was forced to use a different controller. So um, John mentioned fight sticks. Um, just for the audience, uh, if nothing else, like the a fight stick can be kind of two things. One, it basically like the one I like one I have is it emulates an arcade board. So like you have a joystick and you have like six buttons, right? So like it, it looks more like you would see if you went to an arcade and played street fighter in an arcade. Um, it just makes it easier to do combos and stuff like that. Like it, it, it has a more precise feel than a controller. There's another kind of fight stick called a hitbox, which in, on a hitbox, there are, uh, not just six buttons, but, um, four other buttons that exist on the left side instead of the jo- uh, joystick. So essentially, if you want to go uh, left, you hit a certain button. If you want to go right, you hit another button. Up and down are their own buttons. They aren't uh, joysticks. Mm-hmm. So, like, the the hitbox basically takes away the joystick and makes it buttons, which is very, very um, uh, hard to learn, but apparently very, very good uh, for certain people well, in fighting games. It means you can put in multiple inputs at the same time and different directions right yes so this is the trick right um some games uh know how to like some games if you put in multiple directions it won't do anything Mm -hmm. some games if you hit the buttons for left and right at the same time you'll block both left and right at the same time (laughs) um which is a powerful advantage but those hitboxes are okay in fighting game tournaments people are okay with using them they've been good forever daigo um was given his most recent uh, hitbox by a modder who wanted to get out like the word about the hitbox, right? right. That 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 he was working on, 
And this hitbox allowed Daigo, among other things, and it was like it was a it was a modded hitbox that the people at Combo Breaker did not have a chance to really look at before the tournament. Right. That was the main thing. And among other things, so like to give you an idea of what it would have allowed him to do, um, Guile, the character in Street Fighter, has a charge attack on the Sonic Boom. Um, and Daigo mains Guile. And uh, if you use the hitbox he was using, you could charge the Sonic Boom and let it go and still be charging when you let it go. <laughs> so effectively, you could have infinite Sonic Booms going over and over and over again. Um, and Cabo Breaker said, no. <laughs> you can't use that. Yeah. So he had to switch to a Mad Cat's controller. He was very, he was actually very nice about it on Twitter and all everything. Like he said, he didn't know it would actually cause a problem, which seems unlikely. Um, <laughs> but I'm really interested. Like the technicalities of it are fascinating. But there's more. There's like that, and there's something that's going on in Smash. Uh, all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah. I'm really interested in what you both think about this concept of competition when you can easily get modded controllers like this because obviously we all remember like the controllers that were like the mad cats turbo controllers or whatever where obviously you couldn't bring them to a tournament you couldn't turn on turbo buttons and like just do the hundred hand slap over and over um but these are a real gray area and now that they're easier to make and mod like people just have this knowledge like i'm wondering how you see this impacting uh communal and competitive uh, uh competitive um uh, eSport. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's the question between accessibility and fairness, right? You have to make a balance <laughs> because there are people who can't use the, the stick version of the fight stick. Right? Yeah, and the fight stick also, I mean, it is an accessibility thing for mm-hmm. sure. It's, it's something that has like, you know, 100% been a, uh, I'm trying to think how to say this, like it's been something that has allowed people with, um, uh, you know, hand problems mm-hmm. to be able to... Um, to play fighting games and I when, think that's, when they couldn't otherwise. It's a very good concept. I think it's a loud concept. I think uh, yeah, hitboxes like that should be certainly be legal and allowed. Uh, but, you know, you can't be blocking both ways at once. You can't be infinitely shooting sonic booms. That's just not permissible, and that needs to be addressed on the game end. It's because it's a mm-hmm. it's technology issue. It's how you read the inputs. And... This seems like it's mostly an issue with the games were not made with these hitboxes in mind. Like, no one thinks that you're going to be able to do a, a left input and a right input at the same time because you can't physically, with a joystick, do a left input and a right input at the same time. But if you, you know, if you just, if you recognize that hitboxes are going to be used and you increase their footprint and their visibility, then you can, and it doesn't sound like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a game developer, but it does not sound like a hard problem to solve of only allowing one input at a time. Um, on the movement end, because obviously, it is not. Yeah, it, it is. It is very doable. The reason it is not usually done is because no one thought about it yeah. before it. So I think it's a simple problem, easily solved. I'm glad he didn't get mad at it because he should have known what was going to happen the moment he came in and started doing infinite sonic booms. Um, <laughs> yes, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's a learning experience. I don't think it's you know, if he has to sit out a tournament, go on the round of 96 because he brought that controller in, well, he, he raised the hitbox's profile, which is what the modern guy wanted in the first place. So, right. it, it looks like everybody wins. Even the Liv, what, What's your thought on this? I, <laughs> I truly have no, like, educated opinion on this, just because I don't really know the... I don't really have that much experience with the technical aspect of it, but it seems that if there is a desire to... 
make esports uh, to emulate trad sports through esports, um, then there should be some sort of standardization of the tools used. So, like, I, I don't know. I think that we should have, like, some expectation of what's allowed and what's not allowed. And yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's a mistake to, like, expect esports to fully emulate traditional sports, but that they're, I don't know. It was something. I, mean, I don't it was think that's unfair that... to expect that there should be some, for anyone coming in, that there should be some sort of expectations of what is allowed. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was it was something that actually came up on, on the stream last night. Um when I was streaming the uh, the game that uh, both Liv and my uh, good friend Kurt uh, stars in, uh, Devil May Cry 5. Uh, <laughs> Kurt, a.k.a. Nero. Um, <laughs> Truly bizarre how much our friend Kurt looks like Nero. It is Lucky a little him. strange. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, but really, he, he, he sure does. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, but um, yeah, he. Um, so so Kurt. Um, I was playing a game with Kurt in it, and uh, he. While doing that, I was thinking about. Um, I was thinking about the ways in which. Um, I was thinking about the ways in which, like this, this concept or this sort of like controversy worked, and I was talking about it with, um, with both. Um, with both Piss and Zeno, and we were chatting about the ways that, like, it actually sort of, like, operated, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that, um, I forget who said it, but, like, one of the things that one of the people said, uh, either Piss or Zeno, was that, like, you can't, like, you can't, you're not allowed, basically, to, uh, to have any bat you want in, like, travel sports, right? Like, mm -hmm you aren't just like able to <laughs> to just decide that okay I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a metal bat this time around I'm gonna have a wood bat or like I got a Louisville slugger I'd love to use it um like a coach is gonna say like no like you gotta use the the, the stuff everyone uses mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and it's it's basically just to like keep things fair like it's it truly is just to be like okay you're not that's allowed how... to just do whatever you want right that's how I feel and I don't know that it's necessarily like uh an advantage to esports to emulate traditional sports and all things but i do think that there should be some sort of fairness factor where it's not like these professional players that have access to yeah. any any controller that they want you know like i feel like there should be some sort of well yeah cause... ground there like a, a player that's playing at home should be able to go up against the pros if they wanted to like they, everyone should be on the same playground well and i think like especially in the fighting game scene like that's a really important thing where like the the idea is like yeah look like you should be able to um you should be able to like do whatever you you should be able to basically like exist within the fighting game scene and like you should be able to fight Daigo if you want to, and maybe you'll maybe you'll pull it off. Maybe you'll be able to win. Mm -hmm. Like that that's a that's a very powerful thing. Um I mean well Yeah, I want like an Angels in the outfield, but the Angel is Mercy from Overwatch. <laughs> there was cosplay yeah. there. Mercy and Mercy and uh There Mercy was cosplay and... there. Evergreen statement. Yeah, <laughs> Famous was... fighting game characters mercy and reaper from overwatch yeah they were they but they were really good cosplayers <laughs> like i was like man 
like this is this is not really your game, but you you nailed it. Yeah. Well, if I could pull off like looking like Mercy, I would do that to the grocery store if I could. I mean, very fair. Uh, it is cool to look like Mercy. Yeah, to get back to the uh, to the, the little league. No, no, the little league <laughs> comparison for a second. Okay. Um, I think it's really an issue of money. So these fighting game tournaments usually, I mean, they've been getting much more exposure now, especially with Evo and Combo Breaker. But usually they're they're more they come from a do-it-yourself type of background, where it, the the analog is probably better you and your buddies playing pickup baseball mm-hmm. than it is you playing for a formal league with these rules about the bats and everything like that. Everybody's got to bring their own glove. You bring your own ball. You bring your own bat. Mm-hmm. And if people have problems with the bats that are used, they have to share bats. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah. if if, That's interesting. If, these, yeah. if these fighting games want to standardize, I'm all for the standardization with allowances for accessibility issues. But that is a much larger investment than it seems like the community is able to make or that the mm-hmm. advertisers want to make of providing everyone with... And obviously the players would not be happy about being handed a new fight stick or, you know, obviously maybe you get rules about, you know, fight sticks because obviously baseball players bring their own bats. They just have to be bats that exist within a certain set of regulations. But, you know, at, at this point in the development of the sport, you're much more in the this is a outsider pickup game type thing and less in the we are a travel team i mean they're trying to get the travel teams in there don't get me wrong but everything we've heard about the esports bubble recently indicates that maybe we're not going to be having that level of development of esports for a while but at the same point oh god please that's where a lot of my hesitancy for like completely emulating traditional sports goes in as long as uh, as well as where there are these like macho aspects mm. of branding esports that I don't think should emulate traditional sports. Is what you're saying that like that there is some sort of there's gatekeeping. Um, yeah, there's gatekeeping absolutely to standardization, which I, I think that it would be appropriate to have these uh, like combo breaker exist as it does, and then also have like something maybe called like regulation series or something, and kind of like offer that as an alternative to not saying it's better or worse, but just like starting to have some sort of regulation series, yeah, as opposed yeah. to like a free for all. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think gaming allows for that as is already. Like people, I think respect. Um, anything like speed runs like any percent versus you know a standard speed run i think that people like understand video games like that there's like ways to play them in different ways and like it's not that one is more valuable than the other but that there's just different ways to play video games yeah i agree i guess like the 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 funny thing about about fighting games though is like the scene is so built around like what what both you and John are saying about like the fact that it is sort of like different right mm-hmm. like it, it is absolutely is absolutely like a hmm, it is absolutely like a it's not amateurish that's the wrong thing but it's very DIY like mm-hmm. even to the point where like a lot of people get angry i saw someone get angry about like the the lack of um like just sort of like chilled out nature of like building a massive like fifteen thousand person tournament. Mm-hmm. Like people want it to be just like just having to the bracket, man. And like that kind of thing it definitely it definitely 
fosters the whole like okay everyone just bring your stuff but i think it also makes like it's it's why fighting it's one of the reasons why fighting games are so resistant to esports money and like people investing and it's also why um like the scene is very resistant to it i should say and it's also why like i'm 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 sure people are having such a strong reaction to this cuz you know daigo is a scene figure and so yeah. he's very beloved but at the same point he's like you know he's the he's the one percent of the scene, and you got to be thinking like, well, does he need the advantage? Like, what is the scene fair now? Is it just like, is it for anyone still? And I think that's the that's the the, the pressure point. Like, is it that anymore, or is it something different? Well, I mean, and this seems to be the 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 thing on which it devolves. I mean, it sounds like fighting games are, are pretty punk in that respect, right? So is the guy with the yeah. major record label deal with uh, you know Green Day with American Idiot on Broadway? Are they still punk? Well, well, good question. Well, the answer is no. But so, <laughs> with- Green Day, if you're listening to this, please come on. No cartridge <laughs> after dark. You are still punk. Aw, that's nice. <laughs> All right, just kidding. Keep going. All right. No, no. I mean, Sorry, just kidding. They're not punk. <laughs> I mean, that was yeah. That's, that was made my point with the do-it-yourself aspect of it. The the oh, if this hotel tells us we can't use the ballroom, we'll just drag the TVs outside, hook up the consoles, and go at it in the alley out back. That sort of that seems to be the sort of ethos. So um, it seems sort of resistant first to that sort of top-down level of respectability organizing that you'd see in a little league versus a pickup game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I and I don't that. see that being necessarily a bad thing. I do see it having some other issues that the fighting game community has had before with, you know, inclusivity problems. But, um, and I, I don't mean race, I mean gender. Um, yeah, for sure. And But, you know, uh, that's a social problem. It's not a fighting game community problem in and of, you know, it's not the problem of fighting games that has that. Uh, and, you know, and so if you want to standardize the product and move it up, to the advertising space, you're going to have to kill what it's about. That's how capitalism works. And so mm-hmm. I'm perfectly fine with them deciding not to kill what it's about. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, yeah, no, that's, that's, excuse me, that's more than I expected to get out of, uh, out of old <laughs> Daigo. Um, Liv, do you have any other, any other thoughts before we, before we go into our most niche thing that will, uh, we could just both <laughs> mute ourselves and just listen to John talk? I don't think that I came into this having anything important to say. So the fact that I would in any way assert that I still had something important to say uh, would be absolutely foolish. Let's let John talk. John, um, I'm just going to read the headline of this and you're going to tell me all about it. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a rock uh, paper shotgun article uh, by Alice Bell. Who writes good stuff? I, I found when I like something on Rock Paper Shotgun, I usually it's usually by Alice Bell, so I, I like her. Um, and this article's pretty interesting too. I think she does a good job of it. Um, and it is here's the headline. That's the, all I can say about it. The headline is Malkavians confirmed for Bloodlines Two. Yeah. We talked to Brian Mitsoda on the new clan reveal. See, here's the thing, Travis. I, as ever since I told Trev that casually when we were talking about scheduling. This this these recording sessions that I have a World of Darkness game that I play. He's he's been angling to get me to discuss that on this podcast, and we're going to do it because this is worth talking about. So, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines was a huge cult hit made by, I believe, Troika, which is now defunct. Um, back in the early days of um, what I guess we'd consider now modern PC gaming. 
uh, let me actually get the correct year. I want to say 2005? 2004. November 16, 2004 was when Vampire the Masquerade's Bloodlines came out. Now, these games are based on the World of, Dar uh, the World of Darkness uh, tabletop gaming line published by um, White Wolf Publishing previously. They are now... Uh, the brand is now owned by Paradox Interactive. White Wolf uh, got shut down and turned into a holding company uh, last, uh, late last year, I believe, mm. due to being Yikes. overrun with Nazis. Um, now, mm. before we get to that part of the story, World of Darkness in the 90s was what we now traditionally recognize people of millennial age and probably, you know, Gen X age and slightly younger the Zoomers. Uh, recognized as that 90s shit. It doesn't matter that it mo a lot of it happened in the you know the aughts in the early 2000s, um, but it is that not because 90s shit is, a, is an aesthetic. It's excess. It's weird ideas about how history is never going to change, but it's never going. You know, but you're you're extrapolating to the future anyway from a position of um, what appears to be the end of history, the end of of you know the neoliberal victory overall that the 90s in the west represented so you've got this um this this role-playing game that is very much a stand-in for a set of people now if you've heard people making fun of uh excuse me making fun of larpers live action role players what you're hearing is people probably making fun of the world of darkness um those are the people who go around running through parks pretending to be vampires. This was before cosplay was respectable. Um, you will not be shocked to know that uh, the LARPing cosplay community sort of came up together. Because um, obviously, John, I have a question for you. Can I can I have a, qual a, a clarifying question? Yeah. Did you ever go through the woods no. and have like a piece of paper and throw it at someone and say lightning bolt? I have not LARPed. Also, vampires can't cast lightning bolts. Um, I would love to LARP. That's just a side note here. Yeah. That seems like something I would be into. Uh, you know, yeah. I just I don't like people enough to do that. That seems like a like a World of Warcraft thing. That seems like yeah. a shaman. Well, and there's to... there's also there's you have to have, there's okay. very strict. All right, so vampires historically are um, metaphors for rape, um, and sexual assault. So you have to be very careful. And so they have mind control powers, they have seduction powers, they have ways of destroying their victims' agencies. So you have to be very careful with the rules you set up about what your player characters can make another person's player character do, especially when that person's player character is their body. Um, and so a lot of time and drama and you know, very, very serious thought goes into how those LARPs run themselves, uh, which is, which brings us to modern White Wolf, which was taken over by a guy who constantly had himself doing Dracula cosplay. Um, he was cool. a sweet, he was a sweet, um, good looking guy, had the beard, he had, a, you know, he was the official model for, um, a picture of Dracula included with, uh, one of the with the re-release of the Vampire the Masquerade set, um, and he was a big larper, so his attention was monomaniacally focused on Vampire the Masquerade. Now, there's been two Vampire games. There's been Vampire the Masquerade, which is the '90s game everybody knows. They did a new game called Vampire the Requiem, which was supposed to be like updated, 
more respectable, you know, here's us doing this game again after 20 years of, you know, trial and error when we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, and I'm a Vampire the Requiem fan, and that th that entire line of games, the second wave of those games, has sort of been put on hold by this resurgence of bringing it back to the 90s. So, with, that brings us to Malkavians. Malkavians' whole thing is that they're crazy. Um, that their blood has made them nuts. Now, this is not... In its original formulation, this was not a understanding, deep, psychological, you know, prestige look at mental illness. This was, ha ha ha, um, I'm, you know, pouring milk in my, into the gas canister of my car, and I'm drinking gasoline type crazy. Okay. Uh, there was a there was a term, and this 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 piece comes uh, references that term, a term called fish malk, and this refers to the sort of Malkavian player who believes that the curse of the blood given to the Malkavian clan is the sort of curse that makes them you know run up to you with a trout, smack you across the face with it a couple times, and run away. Sort of like a really bad Harley Quinn or a really bad Joker from DC okay. Comics. Sort of like it reminds me a lot, and and Liv, you probably experienced this as well in in WoW, like those people who are just like who think random things are really mm -hmm. funny. Uh, sure. Yeah, you know, like the people who will just like say like, "Oh, that's so random," and that will be like the the the, the punchline of the joke. Yeah, I mean, like I was a child of the internet as like a preteen, so like that's just common to me, no matter what the game is. Yeah, I'd say that the uh, that the mo more recognized term for this sort of humor than fish milk is uh, monkey cheese. That sort of okay, humor. sure. Um, and there's a very telling line in this piece about how the Malkavians are coming back for uh, Bloodlines Two because they have to come back for Bloodlines Two. Uh, you know, you can't just not have the Malkavians. They were a huge part of Bloodlines 1 for reasons I'll get into for, uh, in a second. But here's the, 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 the line from uh, Mitsoda, the, 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 I believe he's creative lead? Uh, narrative lead. Um, here's the entire paragraph. This links to the million-dollar question, which is, will playing as a Malkavian be a different experience with unique dialogue? And yes, yes it will, in a similar way to the original Bloodlines. Begin quote. Because it is the expectation, said Mitsoda, we cannot deviate from the expectation of what the Malkavian experience is. And I imagine that being said with just like a sigh. Because <laughs> he's right, he's, he's completely right. Like, when you're doing something as loaded as a Vampire the Masquerade game for... 2020, I guess, is when it's going to come out. You're aiming at a very specific audience, and that audience knows exactly what they want. Uh, and if you deviate sufficiently from it, that audience is going to destroy your game on social media and whatever before it has a chance to grow a larger audience. And it's not like the first Bloodlines was a massive commercial success. So the the threshold for this game, this game is already, you know, not a surefire hit to begin with. And you don't really see more, many single-player open world, first person, no cash shop RPGs like this, any narrative RPGs like this anymore either. Um, so they're already working in a fraught space where they probably don't feel for business reasons they can afford to piss off any of the people who are just going to love this game uh, mm -hmm. because of the properties it represents. So 
which brings us to the modern Malkavians. And, you know, the trailer isn't bad. You know, it's it's got the craziness, and it's got, you know, it's obviously, you know, in the first game, what 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 that paragraph was, re- was referencing is that, um, so you know how in a, like, a, 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 ma- a early Mass Effect game, or a fall- early Fallout game, or a, uh, one of the Black Isle D&D RPGs, you get the list of dialogue options, one, two, three, four, whatever, and you get extra dialogue options, you get certain skills, or, you know, that, that sort of CRPG setup, right? Yeah, sure. So every clan in the game would have special options, obviously, for whether you were part of the clan, but there are always default responses. There was always, like, the the ability to just answer yes or no to a question as opposed to using specific clan knowledge or specific ability knowledge or any of that. Every single line of dialogue for the Malkavian clan in the entire game was different. They wrote two games. They wrote the base game that everyone played in terms of, you know, dialogue, and they wrote an entirely separate game just for the Malkavian clan in terms of what the character is saying. Like, they didn't actually really change too much of what characters were saying to the player character, but they were an entirely second, separate second script for the Malkavians. Wow. That's why Mitsoda probably doesn't sound very enthusiastic about this, because that is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, it is a kind of ridiculous amount of work. It is, I am sure that there are people on the dev team for two which are cursing whoever it was on the dev team for one that set this precedent. Because you're going to have to write two games. Um, and if you really want to sell that this person is unable to directly connect with society on a serious level, you not only have to reimagine what Malkavian means to move it beyond the fishmouth jokes, but you have to have the outcomes vary too. You have to have it so that it's not just a reskinning of what you're saying. Now, if I had to guess... I would guess that it will just be a reskinning of what you're saying. There won't be any special outcome differences based on what you're saying, because then you'd have to write two sets of responses to your, to your dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, you know... It's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. Um, so do you think... I think, like, the million-dollar question for people who aren't, like, uh, super Bloodlines heads mm-hmm. is... And, and maybe maybe you're thinking this too, Liv. Is... Do you think that they'll do a good job. Well, it depends what the definition of good is. I think that they're all... I, I've, I've generally enjoyed everything I've seen from them. I, I think the people attached to the project are very talented. I like Kara Ellison's work a lot. The question is where the pressure comes from, both from the executives who are overseeing this at Paradox, and I, I guess the White Wolf Holding Company, uh, and the fans themselves want to see from the Malkavians. Uh, do they mm-hmm. want an mm-hmm. introspective... Um, harrowing experience that you're that you honestly only can play as like a new game plus uh because you won't understand the game otherwise or do they want the jokey you know uh knock off harley quinn or knock off joker experience and uh you know that's 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 an internal decision they'll have to make the game seems to have a much more serious aesthetic than the 90s uh, aesthetic of the first game. It seems like they are they are that like, that they are moving the camera, you know, down a couple years to a a milieu that is much more grounded, um, mm-hmm. you know, because and much more 
critical of society, not at, in an aesthetic way, the way like the goths and the um, punks were, but in a structural way, the way that we hate banks. Um, it it seems like they're adjusting the feel of the game for that. But honestly, until we see a demo, until we see extended gameplay footage, uh, it's you know it's up in the air. Hmm. Uh, I want to ask another question, sure. which is, um, and this 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 actually I want I want Liv's take on. Um, do you think it's possible to uh, produce a compelling account of um, a compelling account of like uh, the question of mental illness in a triple uh, A title? <laughs> That's a great question. You uh, threw me off with that last little bit. Yeah, um, I had an answer well, for I, you until the AAA title part. Well, so I mean, in in an indie game, sure, fine. Like you can almost you can almost say like, yeah, someone could just write a uh, a passion right. piece well, and like release it on RPG Maker, and and yeah, I mean maybe mm-hmm. then you're just asking about art. But like, I'm interested in the AAA question. I mean, no. what's yeah? My my instinct <laughs> is no. I mean, the quest. My only question is what you uh, classify. Uh, Senua's Sacrifice Hellblade, I believe it was called. Uh, oh, yeah. That was sort of, like, supposed to be... Uh, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. I got them them mixed up. Now, that was a... I believe that was a Ninja Theory game. They're our big developer. Um, but it was a budget title. Uh, I, I believe it retailed for, like, $20. Uh, $30. So, you know, it doesn't... It, it's not a full retail. I don't believe it's a full... Um, I mean, I think it's like an 8 to 10 hour game. Uh, I've played a little bit of it, but I am, again, very bad at games. Uh, so I've, I've I've got an LP of it I watch occasionally with someone who actually knows what they're doing and is able to play correctly. Um, but, you know, that, that does a very good job, I think, um, of coming close to, at least, uh, portraying that sort of stuff. But, you know, that's it's a $30 game. So, no, if it's AAA, no, I don't think so. Hmm. Okay. Um... So, I guess the other question then is, why would anyone try? Like, why would you? Why would you? Op- Obviously, there's the the, the Malkavians here. Fine. Like, there's I think like White Wolf and any sort of like massive um, franchise is gonna end up with this problem, right? Like, you're gonna end up with an instance where it's like, okay, you're screwed. Like, <laughs> you you have to con- if you included some sort of mental illness back in the '80s, then your fans are going to be absolutely right. Well, here's uh, the thing. I got it if you don't include it now. I just but want like, to put this in context. This is a game line that had to recall Disavow and Pulp a book because they made Romani vampires with blood magic based around thievery. These are not the the, the 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 source material for this game is '90s in the ways that not, the '90s are very bad, as well as you know, fun and enjoyable. Um, and there's a lot of culling that has to be done. Like, no one really cares about the Romani vampires being shoved into the dustbin of history. But the Malkavians are a different, are a different thing. They're a, main, they're a core part of that, that aesthetic for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess, like, I guess the, the question for me is, like, why would anyone ever give it a shot then? I mean, or should anyone? I guess... That's the final question. I guess my answer, if you guys both agree that it's impossible, the answer, of course, is no. But, like, mm. I think well, I the think question is, should they? I, I don't want to fault developers working on AAA titles for wanting to tell these stories. And I think that there's 
absolutely developers on these and these projects that are, are capable of telling these stories, but I don't think that the final product is ever going to reflect anything that's valuable because of where the money's coming from, and that's not to fault the people working on these stories and the game development, but just mm-hmm. because of who's funding it, that it's never going to... I don't know. I, I don't think... I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think it's two separate questions. Uh, there's the question of, is it worth having this sort of um, gameplay style and set of options and set of tools available in the tabletop world where, in uh, in all honesty, for a lot of people playing characters that they've uh, you, you have to make some changes to the Malkavians but you can there are there are I, I've, t- I've played with a lot of people for whom playing some of these characters is a form of therapy and it's a very deeply personal act to be playing some of these characters with the mental illness or without the mental illness and they're working through things and you know it, it's not like working through I want to be a vampire who eats people it's working through uh, family relation uh, family relationship issues it's working through um, uh, sexual issues it's you know it's, it's working and, and and I don't mean that in terms of banging people thing I mean it, you know people working through stuff by using the veil of someone else's name of a background that they don't have to live themselves to address things in their nature. And mm-hmm. I think that's very worthwhile. But all that goes out the window for a video game because that's someone else's story. That's not your story. That's not you being able to talk to yourself or to other people uh, and you know uh, learn about how you feel about something. It is you playing someone else's boutique experience. And I think the, hmm. the concerns there are very different. And so if you're going to adapt something like the Malkavians, who I, th- I have personally played at a table where a Malkavian character used, you know, we, we made a lot of changes. We basically rewrote the, char- the, 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 um, the entire clan from scratch in terms of what it was. But I, I've played at a table where Malkavians were a very good addition to the game. I have okay. no... I have no faith that that will be true of the video game. Okay. Well, thank you for explaining that to both of us. We had no idea what it was, but I feel like we learned something today. Not a problem. I want to leave Death Stranding to the end. I want to to get everyone's thoughts. But uh, Liv, this was yours, and I am so excited to talk about it. I am going to shut up for a bit. Well, (laughs) you don't have to, but I I am very excited to to get your take on this, Mm -hmm. Liv, because this this email blew my mind. So... um, (laughs) Talk to us about Playdate, and and not what you're going to be doing with your niece. Uh, Aww. Which is, uh, Aww, this is just playing with my niece. So, like, last week I got to talk about, like, this new handheld system that I was, like, you know, fairly optimistic about, which I think that's one thing. I will continue to be optimistic about things when I can. I don't think that there's necessarily any benefit in continuing to be cynical about everything that ever happens like sure especially as it comes to entertainment like because everything in reality there's every reason to be cynical about <laughs> so, like as far as it comes to video games i will continue to be optimistic about them yeah, that's so we talked fair. about <laughs> we talked about playdate last week which is like a a new handheld system coming out and it costs like $150 for um, 12 games in a season, I think, which happens over like 12 weeks, I think. I, th- I believe that's right, yes. 
which I think I thought it was 12 months, like one a month, but I think it's over 12 weeks and one a week. Um, but this week, and I was, this was brought to my attention from fail not on Twitter at fail not. Um, fail not's a good follow. Yeah. Um, was an email from the, the CEO at, uh, panic who makes Playdate. Um, which was uh, should I just read this in full? Yes, please, please. You, okay. you, you can even make it dramatic. <laughs> I don't think there's any way to not make it dramatic. Okay. <laughs> well, the title is played. I don't know. Should I enter this? This was um, an email sent to um, a person who had a. I don't know which. What would you call it? It was some sort of like D. DIY yeah, it's like a zine, I think. I think like it's a... like a sort of a zine. That's how I've been hearing it described. Um, uh-huh. Like maybe like a get-together, an open mic. Something small, basically. Yeah, some sort of like great gamer creators event. Um, not anything that had any money behind it. It was just like a creators event. And it was sent to them from the maker, the CEO of Panic, uh, about Playdate. And this was sent... May of this year? Um, this yeah. week? Yeah. Um, Earlier today, I believe. Yeah. No, no, wait, um, no, that's last year, isn't it? Like oh, yes, last year. Okay, May 29th. One year So about a year. Yeah. Yes, okay. So, uh, email title, playdates and names and things. Hello, Ben. First of all, thanks for putting your work... <laughs> Thanks for your work putting together Playdate. It looks extremely nice and fun, and I hope I can attend one someday. I write because for the past four, chick, 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 that's uh, three exclamation marks, years, a team here at Panic has been working on a gaming hardware project called, coincidentally, Playdate. Got ah. our fancy pants, federally ah. registered trademark and everything. Getting a- massive secondhand embarrassment <laughs> just from hearing this. <laughs> A few months ago, someone pointed your event to us, and I wanted to give you a heads up and start chatting. This is a CND. This is a cease and desist, isn't it? Is that what this <laughs> yes. is? Jesus. It's a well, cute cease and desist. It's really cute. And start chatting informally to find the best path forward. I'm really sensitive to the annoyance of naming issues, having run this company for 20 years. You can imagine we've experienced <laughs> conflict from all sides. When our dumb thing launches, I feel there's a re- very real possibility people will start confusing your thing with our thing, and that will be really annoying for no. your thing. So ideally, shades. I've run the company for 20 years, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so ideally, I think it'd be best if your playdate either tweaked its name, i.e., always, I don't know, the playdate game show or something more unique, or otherwise come up with a totally different and unique name. And if we decided that was a good solution, I'd make sure we compensate you in some way for your time and the pain in the ass oh factor. My God. But don't have all the answers. I just wanted to start the conversation. And most of all, I didn't want to surprise you with anything. So drop me a line when you get the chance. And also, if you're curious about what our thing is, I can send you an NDA and give you the full scoop. So good. The NDA <laughs> part, it just, like, kills me Guys, every time. You just got to let Best. your lawyers do this stuff. I mean... This is what lawyers lo- are for. <laughs> I love hitting someone with a best comma. <laughs> I, mean, I, I is, is, all right, is best comma better, or is an American using cheers comma better? Uh, I think cheers is... 
Well, I think Specifically Cheers is from actually better. Yeah. Best comma was always like the professors that mm. absolutely thought they were better than you and yeah. thought that they were beneath you. Now, I'm not going to say what I end my emails with. That's not really <laughs> Which worthwhile is best. right now. <laughs> but let's just say that everyone's right here and no one's wrong. Specifically the best part. No, I think if you're not a professor, you should not end up uh, email with best. I think that's something that, like you earn in graduate school. Um, oh, I just otherwise it, it is deeply it was deeply pretentious uh, so that's an email um, that's it's hard to read yeah. yeah it's hard to hear it read it's <laughs> sorry just the, just the... no no it was very good to hear it <laughs> I'm for it because you can imagine precisely the kind of person who's written it and there's there's a deep very hard malevolence behind it lurking like two layers down like that cutesy style that cutesy language oh it's also a federally protected trademark oh i've been doing this for 20 years you know oh we need you to change the name to this suggestion or something more unique like this is someone who is very practiced in using language in ways they don't actually mean in Mm -hmm. you know faithless ways i'd say um and uh, you know there, just there's something just generally revolting about it um not only reading it but hearing it read aloud not not you but just the, the <laughs> you know the, the no fake, offense taken the fake how, enthusiasm how dare you yeah you know, <laughs> there's just something deeply off-putting and unsettling about it um yeah i i find it very off off-putting um and I think part of the reason is because, like, it is that cutesy language. Like, it feels a little bit like he's going to be like, ah, shucks, sorry. Like, this is just my dumb th-. He even says my dumb thing. Like, it's so uh-huh. self-deprecating and like, mm-hmm. well, sorry about this. I know your thing's cooler, but we have a federally enforceable trademark, and I'm sorry, he's, but he's def- it's just like, it's so weird. He's definitely used this sort of affect and language to convince someone not to report something to HR. That is another thing it sort of sounds like. It sounds yeah. like a kind of like, it sounds like, you know, playing the sort of dopey nice guy in a way that is just like very weird. Like it's meant to, def- it's language that's inherently meant to diffuse and make you feel bad for responding forcefully. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, making you feel bad for asserting yourself, making you feel bad for taking another step to assert your rights because, you know, this isn't a big deal. He's being so nice about this. I mean, it, it is a calculated effect. And I don't, I don't even know if the guy knows he's doing it. And obviously, this isn't really just a him person. This is how people in that executive class, in that area of games that aesthetic this is how they talk and it's you know it part of it's a calculated thing part of it's a culture thing um and i yeah every and uh, but i look at that email and i just say you know trying yeah uh, trying to make it so that uh you know that that poor guy from rockstar doesn't report his boss to hr that's what i Something say like a if eeyore was a cop <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, Okay. Sorry, guys. I don't want to think about your. I like Eeyore. I'm not going to think about Eeyore being a cop. <laughs> what if he was, though? He's already, like, in blue. In a blue-gray. 
Eeyore heaves. Oh, the thin blue-gray line. Eeyore heaves a heavy sigh and retrieves the drop gun from his dashboard, places it on the suspect's dead body. <laughs> well... Oh, boy. Oh, dear. You're under arrest. <laughs> boy, Poor that's... Eeyore. I'm sorry to... Uh, sorry to whoever voiced to Eeyore. <laughs> sorry to attribute... Uh, cop brutality to this embodiment of depression. I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 really weird. Like the the whole I think like the cop part is is salient though, and that like this feels like kind of like a cool cop talking to you. Mm-hmm. Like ooh oh you know what? Like I used to smoke a little weed back in my day, and it doesn't have to be that big a deal. But why don't you like? Tell me what your friends are up to. Like, that kind of thing where they're just trying to, like, play you. The youth pastor cop. Isn't this the Kamala Harris approach? Yes, it is the... Yeah, this is the Kamala Harris approach, for sure. Like, we've all been there, but, you know, wink, wink, we know better now. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's, yeah, it's very, very troubling. I don't know. I don't like it. Not even a little. I'm gonna come out against it. Yeah. Yeah. Not great, but I did want to bring this up just because we had we had talked about it last week, and like mm-hmm. I I hope that I don't know that like it's okay to be optimistic about things and then be like okay well you know what never never mind like this was not not yeah. great I would rather do that I would rather be disappointed a hundred times than be cynical I don't know no I think that's fair <laughs> this may be foolish on my part but like I don't know. I wanted to be excited about something, but now I'm not, so. (laughs) Well, well, that's okay. I understand. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I don't know, like, I think that's fair to to sort of, I think what that is, and like, I don't, this isn't meant to sound condescending, because I think like, it's actually sort of hard to pin it down, but I think that's just disappointment. Like, I think that's just, that kind of sucks. Like, it's just, it's disappointing to, to see that. Yeah. Um, well, and I think a lot of people were cynical right out the gate. Like, oh, maybe this is, like, too expensive for this, like, tiny piece of hardware. And it's like, well, you know, like, maybe, maybe there's developers being appropriately compensated for this. Maybe this is, like, a more ethical approach. And maybe, okay, well, maybe it wasn't. But, like, maybe we could have been hopeful for for like and a hot second, me. yeah. Yeah, and I'm okay with like showing my ass and being like, okay, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it wasn't okay to be hopeful, but I'd rather be hopeful than just be, um, than never to expect anything to get better. I mean, I'm not sure that I'd I'd let this guy being a jackass ruin the entire entirety of this. I mean, he, obviously, he should have just had his lawyer send a cease and desist, and we would have had a discussion about how you know that maybe was a stupid thing for him to do. Um, but he is, like, I, I... Yeah, and just don't name your gaming device play date, a thing that's being used to play, like, this, like, very common word. Just don't copyright a very common word. Don't try to do it. Just, like, name your something, your device something unique in the first place, and this won't be a problem. Uh, you should yeah. get a load of the barcade people. And, ah, uh, shit, are we gonna get sa- sued because I said barcade? I hope not. Yeah, there's uh, anyway. Uh, there's a there's a establishment <laughs> in New York City 
that owns the the trademarks and whatever to uh, the term barcade, which is portmanteau of bar and arcade. So a place that sells alcohol and has arcade machines. And every single time, any place across the country, and these people have eagle eyes, any place across the country incorporates or um, otherwise brands itself as a barcade, they get um, a lawsuit. Wow. Yeah. Um, we this are branding ourselves as a, as a barcade. No, we are not. That's yep. the cool thing about what we're doing here is we are not branding ourselves as a barcade. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the unfortunate truth is that none of these products get made without bad people being able to be bad people about them. Uh, it sucks to find out about it. Um, I, this wouldn't ruin it for me, although it would ruin it like this guy for me if I respected this person. Um, uh, but man, so much of this life is compromise. Uh, we're at the so much of this life is compromised, sigh. So I think it's time to get to the last. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of, let's talk about Hideo Kojima. All right. So thoughts on Death Stranding, everyone. Death Stranding trailer hit today. Nine minutes. A okay. Well, since I trailer. since I already said that I'm not going to be uh, cynical about everything, I think maybe I shouldn't talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, do it. I don't know. I don't think it's for me. I don't think. Um... I don't know. Whenever I first saw the the promos, I was kind of excited about it, but seeing what I saw from this, like it just doesn't look good to me. Like I don't, I don't know that there's anything that a, a realistic looking title can offer me. Because um, you just look like little toys out in the world. Like it was no toy esque. Way... Yes, yeah. I I see exactly what you're saying. There was something I think this GI very... Joe, very GI Joe about it, yeah. with the ladder and the way that all of the equipment hooks on to uh, Norman Reedus. Um, very, feels very like all like this was toyetic, and you'd buy it at Toys R Us, and you come with the Norman Reedus figure, and then you'd have this plastic thing that attaches to his back and moves around. Um, yeah, I mean, the more it... anything tries to approach. Uh, reality the less it appeals to me just because it's never going to be at a point where it feels like I can um, feel immersed in the world like I'm never going to be able to because once you get to that point of reality like some stuff looks really really good and then some stuff looks really really horrible why does the hair still look horrible why can hair not look good I don't know hair is Um, the weirdest part yes that was that's been that's been something that I've wondered about since like I mean, since, I don't know, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. <laughs> I think anime hair almost looks better. Like, it, yeah. just stylize it. Mm-hmm. But the more that you try to approach reality, the less there is left to imagine for yourself. So the less that you can immerse yourself. And so you're just like, okay, well, these are action figures out in the world. And that's not even, like, approaching where the story leaves me not... <sighs> interested at all i mean to the extent that i can tell what the story is it looks bad um but this guy uh, kojima is notorious about cutting his trailers for the images not for any sort of narrative value the one thing that really disappointed me well there were a couple things that really disappointed me about this trailer but one only one of them was surprising the unsurprising one was that um his he's back on his bullshit with his female characters uh we've got oh sure uh uh leah sado um, 
playing a character named Fragile, who appears to... She spends about an, uh, an, uh, 45 seconds on screen. She's crying or getting her face licked by a zombie or... Um, we hate to see sort it. Of staring shell-shocked into the distance for all of that time. Uh, then there's it's a, shame. a character <laughs> named Mama, which might be the... Uh, it, it's gonna. Uh, he names he, uh, Kojima and Moms, man. Um, and then he's got like Die Hard Man or something. Um, oh yeah, Heart Man. Uh, heart, uh, die Hard there's Man. Two, there's two. Uh, yeah, there's there's two characters. One's Die Hard Man. One's Heart Man. Heart Man, of course, is is played by uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> like he he just wants to you know and he I, just wanted to I mean, hang out with Winding Refn like. Uh, um, but the thing that did surprise me about it is this is, I believe, this is the first trailer that showed that this game will, in fact, be, at least at some point, a shooter. Um, the previous gameplay we'd seen had all been about traversal stuff and stealth stuff. Uh, this is the first trailer that we saw that he's actually going to have a gun that he shoots people with. And, you know, it, it may be this situation where you didn't never have a permanent gun, but you can pick up guns and use them. But that, yeah, I was looking forward to this being, you know bad or you know a, a an interesting failure at worst mm -hmm. um yeah in terms of like if you if you really actually did get six years or so of triple a game dev development to make just a game about traversal and stealth without any actual action or shooting uh that you yourself as the player character can do uh, that probably wouldn't be great i'm not sure how i would put that together so that it would work but I'd love to see that attempt, the attempt to not make a game that's just, a, you know, a shooter of some kind. Yeah. No, then we have, we have, um, there's a section where it looks like you go into World War One time. You get, uh, you know, there's trenches and, you know, you're back in 1911 or whatever. Uh, except the technology is a little bit too good where, um, but Redis has like a machine gun. He's gunning down uh, guys who sort of look German in the trenches. Um and you know that was just like okay like there's there's a, there's another scene where he's walking around with a pistol um there's a lot of um loving renditions of uh mads michelson mickelson yeah he's there. definitely like lovingly produced <laughs> i love the, whenever white men are lovingly produced yeah i Me mean too. this here's the thing like because <laughs> like, that's this game thanks again like, for julian for instance, uh, like Leah Sado hasn't actually really done any voice actress work, I don't believe. But it doesn't matter because I don't. This doesn't look like a voice acted game. It looks like a game where he actually just did film shooting with mocap mm -hmm. and everything, and then applied a video game filter to it. That yeah, and that's what thing. like had interested uh, me most about this game is like we had these years of promos, and I was like, you know, nothing's really showing us that this is even a video game at this point. Like, this could be anything. Yeah. And that was what was more interesting to me that it could be anything. And now seeing this, it's like, oh, you really, you know, like this is this isn't for me. This yeah. is, yeah. I think and for and me, like, like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I think the most disappointing part about it that that for me though is that I think Kojima is a legitimately good game developer focus on game and good at leading a project that realizes a game i think he's a mediocre at best film director and yeah yeah and this looks like it's going to be like i we might have the metal gear solid 5 thing where you've got this great open world game with all the great mechanics underpinning it and then a story that you can either engage with or not engage with or and have the thoughts you have about it at will uh, but you still have that underlying gameplay to return to. I think that would be the best outcome of all of this. 
but man, the film parts of this just don't look good. I I don't know what to say about this. Like, I don't want to sound edgy in any way, but it's just like, it seems like a lot of the reaction to this was like, oh, wow, this is so weird. I don't even know what's happening. But like watching the whole time, there's literally nothing that surprised me. And I think that it's for a popular audience that wants like a weird tinge to things. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just, it's not for me. And I thought that maybe it would offer something different. And I don't think to me it does. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see myself liking it, but at mm-hmm. the same point, like the, the, I, I said to someone that like, I found it like, cause a lot of people were really into it. And I was yeah. like, you know, I'm, I mean, I I'm intrigued, know. but I'm, I, I'm not convinced. And they were like, why? And I was like, well, insofar as there's gameplay at all, it doesn't really exist. <laughs> and like, it's not as if like, it, it, it's not as if like the, I don't know, like it's not as if the, it's not as if like the gameplay or the plot is actually worked out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, I don't know, like it, there's nothing really there. I think, mm. I think we really need to see a gameplay demo. That's what we really need to see. Um, and I think, and honestly, I will say that outside of the stuff with the gun shooting, uh, the gameplay that we did see in the gameplay probably accounted for about two and a half minutes of that trailer. Uh, I was there for it. I mean, I, I'm, I like stealthing around. I like avoiding things. I like creepy bullshit happening for no reason. Uh, that ladder was cool. Um, I thought the ladder was way clunky, but I could see why you'd say it was also cool. Like, it, yeah, it, yeah it was cool in theory that you could, like, put a ladder down yeah. and, like, build something that wasn't, like, a designated, like, node spot or something like I li- that. I like what it implies about what you're doing yeah. moving around. Um, but, uh, you know, I've had to be very, very qualified about how I speak, about how his, I feel about his plots since, like, Metal Gear Solid 3. And Metal Gear Solid 3 was an outlier. Uh, so was two because he's been bad about women since like Snatcher. That's um, how I feel now. It's just that like the way that women were represented in this, like, it was really bad. And the and the baby. It's not that I feel like oh I'm so offended, but there's just nothing about it that's compelling to me. I don't feel any need to play any AAA title where I can't play as a woman now. Like nothing, you know. Like what are you gonna say about women? Like that's not not that I feel like okay, well, you should have a woman character because it, you need a strong female character, but I just don't think that you have a realized world if you don't have strong female characters, like, yeah. because there's women in the world. Yeah, and I mean... There um, are. To head off any to any criticism of this segment, I mean, I feel like Kojima lost all authority that he had to get benefit of the doubt on how he handles women in his games when Quiet was shown and announced in her, you know, torn hose and bikini outfit, and he told us all the reason was so good that we'd regret our words and deeds for criticizing it, and the reason was, oh, she can only breathe through her skin, so she has to be as naked as possible, and then the end of the game, the very last mission of the game, has her get raped. Well, who amongst us? You know, you... You you don't have, like, and and it's it's a violent scene, like, you can look it up. It's Mission 45. You can look it up. It is questionable whether or not she actually gets raped, but it, the implication is yes. Um, and, you know, you, you don't have the benefit of the doubt anymore on that. You just, you don't. 
Yeah. And I was I was looking honestly for the first three years of this title's development, he showed no women whatsoever, and I was hoping that it was like a reverse "Why the Last Man" situation, where all the women were dead, so we don't have to listen, have to see Kojima writing women. And you know, I was into that. Like that's a good way to get around his problems. But you know, that's not the case. Yeah, and it's yeah. Like I said, you know, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna play this game to PS4 exclusive, um, which is you know makes sense because Sony Sony has been. Uh, you know, bankrolling this game through its entire life cycle, which was, you know, just after Metal Gear Solid V's release. Um, so it's not six years. It's like, when was Metal Gear Solid out? 2014? 2015? I can't remember. I think 15. Yeah, September 1st, 2015. So it's it's in year four. Um, it'll probably be, by the time it's released, it'll probably have had a five-year dev cycle, which is still pretty long. Um, and, you know... Like I said, it's you know it's a compromise. I'll probably play it. Uh, hopefully, I'll enjoy it. Hopefully, the presence of someone like uh, Winding Refn and Kojima's past history isn't an, a symbol of where this game is going to go. <laughs> um, but I, I'm less optimistic about the story now than I was before this trailer dropped. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I know. Agree. There's just not. And I wasn't optimistic before. Yeah, again, like not like a SJW take or anything, but I don't think that you can tell a compelling story about predominantly white people and predominantly white men. Like, there's just not a... It's not because I think that there should be, like, forced diversity everywhere, but just, like, that's not what the world looks like, and so I don't think that you're telling a real story. <laughs> I do like that uh, Kojima produced, like, a m- <laughs> produced a moment where it's like, oh, yeah... Like there's a woman in here and she's in power, and the the way, the way that you know that uh, you Norman Reedus are actually the real person in power is because you get to say to her like, "You're in charge. You're the president of jack shit." Yeah. It's like Ooh. also because you're in a hospital bed and look at me walking around. A hospital bed in the Oval Office, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Jesus it's a classic place to put. That's Listen, very, if you're gonna you know, if you're gonna critique one part of it, it can't be that. I know I, it's that old thing about I, I know write, writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> the Garth Marenghi. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's I, I don't know. Like I could see really enjoying it, and I I I there are parts of Kojima that I really like, but I am not super. I'm not convinced at all. Like I feel like there's been a lot of things that I've seen here that do nothing for me. And a lot like and and tell me nothing, and a lot of things that are extremely problematic. Like um, uh, 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 I'm trying to think of how to say this. Extremely troubling um, red flags, like yeah. the gender well, and the 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 sort of like weird ambiguity of plot, and like it just it feels like it's gonna be. I don't have a good feeling about it. Well, like I that. said, Nicholas Re- Winding Refn is a major actor in this, and there were there were mass walkouts of the debut of his new television show at Cannes because um, he decided to show two episodes which depict graphic sexual violence. Yeah, um, and he's famously known yeah. for his yeah. positive yeah. Re- yeah, <laughs> representations yeah. on women, sure. So I, well, and just like if that's who he's I'm, hanging out with, uh, yeah, and yeah. like I'm okay with this not being a game for me because it's you know a playstation exclusive like i've just never played playstation games because it was always like the most expensive 
console, so sure. I never played yeah. it. I never had one. Um, so it's not for me anyway as a result of that. But, like, I think that there's this uh, standing of Kojima, like, in general that's... That I, I think the worm has kind him... of turned on him a, a little bit. Um, Maybe so, but I think that there's still uh, this reverence for mm-hmm. him that's going to prevent the appropriate amount of um, care brought to criticism about it. Yeah, Maybe. I think I, I think I agree with Liv. I think I think we're we're gonna see we're gonna see a bit of a mulligan. And like you yeah. know, this is coming from someone who, I mean, I have a lot of I I have a lot of respect for for his work in some ways, but I also recognize his issues, and I think everyone should recognize his issues at this point, especially him. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, here's the thing. He's been nothing but rewarded. Yes. For that. Like, there's yeah. no reason that he should have, rec- like, there's no, like, no one, there's been no inducement for him to recognize. And I think there's going to be one because I think this is the game where the worm's going to turn on Kojima. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who are ready not to like this game just because it's taken so long. It is so weird. It doesn't have the Metal Gear brand attached to it. I feel um, like, I feel like this is the, I feel like this is the example of, um, <laughs> this is the example of like uh, this will this will finally get old Donnie Trump. <laughs> Let's see old uh, yeah, Donnie Trump I've, wriggle out of this one. Well, I mean, I've, I feel I, different about this too because I feel like Norman Reedus has like this. Uh, he has a cachet. He has a fandom yeah. from like The Walking Dead, and then Mads has this fandom from like Hannibal, and those are both like rabid fandoms that I think that are going to be here for this game that weren't even for the the Metal Gear games, and so like. I will be, I will be surprised if this game is not at least well received, and like, as, and at least as well received as maybe the final season of Game of Thrones, where people show <laughs> up every single week despite saying that they hate it. You know, like mm-hmm. they're gonna show up still, though. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that as well as well received as the final. No, I mean I'm gonna play this game. I'll, I'll say it now. I'm, uh, at some point, I'm gonna play this game. I'll be, probably be the person who bites that bullet for this podcast. Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to do it. I mean, yeah. that's just part of the job at this point. But, like, yeah. I mean, I agree with Liv. I think I think this is just... I think Kojima just has a... I think Kojima has a blank check at this point. I mean, that shit turns quick. We'll see. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our games. Um, what is... Talk, talk to me about games. Talk to me about what you guys are playing. Uh, who wants to go first? Liv, you go first. I... What you been playing? <laughs> I think it's no surprise that I've continued playing Overwatch this past week. Um, yeah, so it's still like the anniversary. Overwatch hour for us. <laughs> it's still the the anniversary weekend, so I've been playing a lot of Hero Gauntlet, which is fun in Overwatch, where you, um, I don't know, it's like gun game and other games, but um, you just like play through different heroes and it's fun because I get to play heroes that I don't necessarily get to play a lot and it's it's fun for me to feel successful but otherwise I've been playing a lot of like just indie games on itch just like playing cool. random games that have been promoted on the the itch twitter that I found through the explore and a lot of games that are like less than 30 minutes like a, a 10 minute visual novel or something like that and that's been oh, nice. really encouraging and fun to me to enjoy enjoy games in that way again that you can just play a game for 10 minutes and maybe it offers something to you 
Um, the one game that I've really, I really liked the most was called Snapdragon on Itch, and I, I quote tweeted it from I think the, maybe the official Itch Twitter. Um, but it's less than ten minutes long, and it's just a really cool game that you kind of like discover this mystery in less than ten minutes of, hmm. with like a very simple, um, game mechanic, and so that was cool. Yeah, nice. Snapdragon on Itch. That's what I'm, that's what I'm promoting this week. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, John, what are you been playing? So uh, the Arkham Asylum Game of the Year edition uh, was on my. It's the only. It was the only game on my wish list. It went on sale for like eighty percent off to five dollars. Uh, and since I already owned like the two bad games in that series, City and Origins, I figured I might as well. Yeah, you know, I've been watching a lot of DC stuff recently. I've been watching through uh, their Young Justice cartoon, which is. Much better at depicting teenagers than it has any right to be at depicting teenagers, um, and the Batman Beyond cartoon, which was the uh, the late '90s, early 2000s um, iteration of the show, which basically just showed a bad end for the superhero universe. Everything becomes cyberpunk. Uh, all the heroes hate each other or are mind controlled. You know, bad times all around. So I, I figured might as well get the Arkham Asylum game. See if it holds up because it's been. Oh, ten years, years and years, so, yeah. Ten years since that game was released, and that game changed a lot of shit for the it, not the open world stuff yet, but it changed the game for third person character action combat in the United States mm -hmm. uh, in the West um, because it gave a sort of a, a paradigm to compete with, um, you know, the Devil May Cries and the Bayonettas and all that uh, because the the Batman combat is very is sort of technical, but not in a uh, in like a an input way. It's a timing game. Um, basically, what you want to do is you want to is you're you're presented with a series of enemies to fight. The, the main gameplay loop is you get a bunch of enemies to fight. These enemies all have certain properties. Some of them you have to press B before you can hurt them. Some of them you have to press Y before you can hurt them. Some of them you have to get behind before you can hurt them. Mm -hmm. You can press Y to counter. You can press X to your basic attack. And your goal is to build a combo. And so a combo is the number of attacks you do in a row without missing one. And missing is very punishing. It means if you press X and there's no one nearby, that's a miss. If you try to counter and you miss the counter because the guy wasn't attacking, that's a miss. If you, you know, if you don't land a blow at all or you attack into an enemy that you can't damage because he's got a riot shield or electric gauntlets or something, that's a miss, and it resets your counter to zero. So it's, a, it's sort of a score attack puzzle thing, and it means you can't mash because you can't just hit X forever and still get a high score. Now, you can hit X forever and probably still win most fights, but it is a, you know, you have to, when, when, I want, when I decide I want to punch someone, I press X once. I don't hit X three or four times in a row um, and, you know, just, just assume that the fourth punch is going to transition from the guy that I just punched out into the next guy there. Because if, it, if the timing doesn't work, if the spacing doesn't work out, then my combo's done. That gameplay is just as good as it always was. Hmm. There's a reason that it, that it, you know, got a bunch of um, imitators in that Shadow of Mordor series. Uh, and in, I believe the Mad Max series had Batman combat as well. Um, it's also very fascist. Um, the, the, this is the, shocking. I'm... Yeah, it's weird. I mean, there, there's, there's normal fascist for Batman, and then there's the fever dream of the Arkham games. Because, like, normal Batman fascism uh, 
is very structural. It's very, here are his advantages, here are his beliefs and ideologies and opinions. Uh, these are the groups that he's willing to leverage them against. These are the groups he's not willing to leverage them against. That's fine. The Arkham games are like a fever dream. It posits this existential emergency happening constantly over a course of, you know, 18 to 24 hours in this city that is just constantly spawning burly rapists for you to punch with no repercussion. Hmm. Um, like, y- y- you go through these games and you are just taking out rooms full of a dozen people of these, you know, of of these cartoon characters, because, I mean, they're, they're cartoon characters, of, you know, bodybuilders who want to, um, you know get some alone time with Harley or something. They just say the grossest shit in their narrative, uh, in their ambient dialogue, just to make sure that you know the good thing to be doing here is to be hurting them as hard as possible. And you do shit to them that should kill them, but they're only just knocked out because that's part of the fantasy. Hmm. Um, And I think it was really bad that the Spider-Man game took this model and basically they made a Spider-Man game that was really an Arkham game for the PS4 because this makes perfect sense for Batman be focused on constantly making his weapons better so that he can just walk across the city and leave a body of path uh, a path of bodies behind him with the righteousness in his mind that he was the guy he was not the instigator of the fight he was the man who ended the fight he was the hero that doesn't really apply to spider-man you do that to spider-man you're just making him like batman with jokes and (laughs) batman with jokes sucks (laughs) um and that's why you know it's you know, there's, it's not really a coincidence that Spider-Man's kind of a cop in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's also weird stuff with the writing. Like, um, Batman has says, re- in reference to two different characters, the first character is Harley Quinn, Joker's sidekick, previously mentioned in this episode. And uh, Commissioner Gordon, uh, the father of Batgirl, his, one of his protégés, and his best friend. He says of both of them that they're smarter than they look. Now, Quinn has a PhD. Jim's his best friend. What the fuck does that... What does that mean with the character relationships? And there's that sort of sloppy, loose writing all over the place. When Joker talks to uh, one of the black cops, he starts calling him Holmes. Um, It is very much outside of the core gameplay loop. It has not aged particularly well. Even at the time... The boss fights in that game were bad. They were all gimmick fights because you couldn't. Do, the core gameplay loop is made for brawling. It's not made for single combat with a big boss like Killer Croc. And honestly, the the boss of the game is just ridiculous. Like Joker turns into a like a twenty foot tall ogre, and you have to fight him. Hmm. Um, and then he's fine the next the next game. He's small again. Um, and, and you know, it, I really can still appreciate what that game is doing it's still fun to play but um i'm hoping that the next rocksteady project and i think we're gonna get a new one from them pretty soon it's nearing that point in their dev cycle that they'll be announcing maybe this e3 maybe later it might be for the next set of consoles i'm i'm hoping that they take a step forward from the arkham series uh and that we don't have this version of batman anymore both through what the gameplay implies and through the rather loose writing hmm all right, um, I have been I have been enjoying. Um, I played two games. I'm actually sort of on the live train uh, this week. Um, I've been playing indie games that I just have in my Steam library that I haven't really mm-hmm. played recently. Um, and the one I've been playing is um, I played through Pinstripe, uh, 
which is a uh, it's a, an indie game that came out in 2017. It's um, you know, in some ways, it's like the the sort of like I have a very serious thing to talk to you about indie game, which is um, you know, kind of overdone. Um, but I found it pretty charming in its art and its style, um, and it wasn't difficult, but it did make you think about the puzzles you were doing and stuff. It was it was a fun use of two hours, and I thought like I thought it did a pretty good job. Um, and, and, you know, like it's about alcoholism and, and difficult things and stuff. Yes. But it doesn't, it doesn't wallow in it and it doesn't try and like convince you that it's super, super serious, um, which I very much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other game I've been playing a lot of is, uh, Baba is you. Oh yeah. I've heard of that. Which is very, my friends are playing it. Yeah. It's very good. It's, um, seems too smart for me. It, no, you'd be fine. It's like it's basically like a word puzzle. So basically, yeah. you're given a bunch of rules. So it's like a logic puzzle too, right? Yeah. So like Baba is you is a command. So like you're this little rabbit named Baba, and so if it says Baba is you, you control Baba. But if you can move you and replace it with I don't know rock or flag or um, skull or whatever, then you become those things in the level. Um, so basically, by moving the words around, you move the conditions of the level around, and then you can solve the puzzles in the level. Um, it's a really neat game. It's like it's it's very very fun. Um, I would say uh, it is a game that uh, I, I've had a lot of people describe it as hard, and it's very very hard. Like I would I would agree with them, but mm. at the same point, I think um, I think it's really good. Like I think it's I think it's super fun. I think it. Uh, it really holds up as like a um, a project and like a, a an initial sort of like um, attempt at an idea. I, I think it's a really fun game. I think it really works. Um, uh, it's not trying to do anything profound, which I like. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. It's definitely it's the first indie I've played that I I think is a game of the year candidate for me. Well, turning a rabbit into a wall into a skull is pre- fairly profound, but yeah. not really, <laughs> not in the way that they do it. Uh, but I hear what you're saying. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's cool. Um, so yeah, I think I think it, unless we have any unless we have anything else, I think that's. Uh, Let's hit the fundraiser one more time and then get the hell out of here. Yeah, so fundraiser June seventh <laughs> to June eighth. Um, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing funds. Uh, we're gonna try and we're gonna try and make some money uh, for for a good cause, which is to say the people who help me uh, actually make this good. Um, so that's uh, twitch.tv slash no cartridge. No cartridge. Yes, twitch.tv slash no cartridge. You can follow now and you'll get notifications. But it will be eight p.m. to eight p.m. from uh, June seventh to June eighth, and hopefully I stay awake the whole time. Um, and Liv, John, thank you so much for being here with me. This was really Not a fun. Problem. Absolutely. Um, Any last words? Nope. Talk too much. Live last words? Who should people play in Overwatch? Uh, Everyone. Um, I don't know. Bridget? The character in Olivia. Sombra's real name is Olivia, so I'm always... uh, I want to be good at her. That's why I think people should play. Okay. I like the hamster. Oh, (laughs) boy. That is is a... uh, (laughs) A sore topic. John, no. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> good, good night, everyone. Good night.